Welcome to the Pacing the Pacers podcast. Uh, I am Nat Newell, Indy Stars Pacers editor. I'm here with James Boyd, our Pacers insider. Uh, and uh, it was an interest. The biggest news this week, I guess, was uh, on T.J. Warren. Um, they were uh, the, the Pacers announced that he will not play this year um, at this point in the season. As you've noted uh, previously, James, this is not a huge surprise. But uh, just sort of take us through how the information was relayed and uh, what your thoughts are on what it means for the Pacers. Yeah, so for those of you who are outside of the NBA realm, this is how things work when you don't want to answer questions right away about something. So they announced that T.J. Warren was out for the rest of the season um, last Thursday, and it was maybe two or three minutes after our media session had ended at Pacers practice. So basically... Um, you know, Woj reports the news on TJ being out. A press release comes out shortly afterwards. This is all less than 30 minutes after practice ended. Um, so, of course, they knew this was coming. They knew this was going to happen. They just didn't want to answer questions that day. I get it, whatever. Um, still had to answer questions the next day. So we asked, uh, you know, actually, I won't say we, but Scott Agnes asked most of the questions, I believe, if not all the questions about TJ Warren. Um, you know, being out for the rest of the season. And, and Rick Carlisle was pretty candid about it, you know, talked about how disappointing it was. And I get that. But at the same time, I think this puts TJ Warren in a unique position um, where he's had, he's going to have to take a one-year prove-it deal somewhere. It could be with the Pacers or elsewhere. Um, I do think that if I had to lean on him coming back, I'd probably lean more towards that because the Pacers have more information on him than anybody else, but um, overall, it wasn't surprising. He hasn't played since December 29, 2020. Of course, when he did play his last full healthy season, that was the bubble year when he went off in the bubble and came like a little you know, bubble star. Had a 53-point game, one of four players in franchise history, a 50-point game. So he is talented. It's just that he hasn't played. And I know you saw this as well, Nat, but one of the interesting things that was kind of revealed is, one, Woj reported that he had consecutive foot fractures, um, which we did not know about, you know, consecutive stress fractures in his left foot. And then also um, it was reported that he was doing five on five when I think a week earlier I asked Rick Carlisle, like, you know, hey, what's going on with TJ Warren? He's like, there's no update. And it was like, boom, he's playing five on five, but he's not, he's not going to play this anymore this season. So I think he's healthy. He can play basketball, but he doesn't want to play right now because he could hurt his stock more than help it going into the offseason see i i don't uh I, number one i'm not sure why it mattered why you would not want to talk about it thursday but you're okay talking about it friday so i'm not exactly yeah. sure why it was handled uh the way it seems to have been handled uh the other thing that struck me and this is me and this is total uh speculation we don't have this information in any way shape or form in terms of it being news but I would think this means that he's probably coming back because if you're TJ Warren, why wouldn't you want to go? If you're playing five on five, if you're healthy, why wouldn't you want to go out there and show people what you can do if you're playing on going somewhere else? Exactly. Exactly. So, again, we don't know that. We're not reporting that. It just seems very odd to me that if you're – I mean, this is what works best for the Pacers. If he's, if he's capable of playing again – and he goes out there in the last five games of the year and averages 10 points a game and shoots well, then you're telling everybody, hey, he might be a player for you, and we've sat on him for two years and uh, not gotten anything from him. 
that could certainly be the reason that TJ wants to come back. I mean, the, the Pacers have paid him for two years and he hasn't been able to play. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if any player would have some loyalty to the team that went through that and come back on a reasonable, on a deal that they were both fine with and play one year and, and prove it. Like you said. Um, yeah, I think I, I'm kind of on the flip side of that. It's like, I don't know. It's like, if you get out there and you stink it up the last few games and you're not looking like you're a pretty good player, and you just lost yourself even more money. So, yeah, I think you can explain that away, though, and say, hey, I'm coming back. And, I mean, it would depend on how well, how you know, just how badly he played. But if I'm another team, I would rather see him go out there and prove that he can run than have no idea. Now, obviously, any team that's serious about signing him is going to get the medicals. He's going to have a number of conversations with Warren, his, his agent, that kind of thing. So maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe it doesn't matter. But it just did seem to me like a positive sign for the Pacers that he wasn't uh, – um, that, that, that he wasn't going to play again this year. Um, obviously from the Pacers standpoint, you get him back, maybe you win more games and, uh, that hurts you in the lottery. I don't know how much of a factor that's playing in any of their decision-making. I think it plays, uh, they'd be crazy if it didn't play some factor in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the question is who knows what they have in TJ Warren going into, or, you know, what, again, if it's the Pacers or if it's any team, who knows what. Um, they would have in him going into next year. Is he the guy who can average 20 a game or 18 a game like he's proven it previously? Is he now someone who can only play 20 minutes a game? I wouldn't think that would be the case, but the fact that he apparently fractured his foot twice based on that uh, Wojnarowski report uh, would also raise some concerns for anyone looking to sign him. Yeah, and I think also the biggest overarching um, thought is that, you know, it kind of just – put a cap on a really weird season because he was expected to play this year. This was right. not a thing where he entered the season and it was like, oh, we'll hope, you know, by some miracle that maybe he could play at the end. It's like, no, he was expected to play fairly early on in the season. And then it became this long drawn out thing. And by the time that I joined the beat and got into a groove personally, I just was like, he's not going to play. That's kind of just what was my mindset. Every week it was, He's progressing. There's no timetable. That was like the same thing over and over and over again. I know Rick Carlisle and the fans will always tweet this at me. I think at media day before I was even hired, he said something like, you know, we're hoping this is a weeks, not months thing. And it went from weeks to months to an entire season. So the fans are frustrated, which is understandable um, because in a sense, he'd been kind of teased all year. You know, he's making progress. He's doing one-on-one stuff. He's He's running, he's shooting, he's, and I saw him, you know, in practice doing one-on-one with Malcolm Brogdon. I I see him on road trips, you know, getting shots up, you know, before a game or something like that. And then, you know, there's nothing to show for it now. So really weird that his, you know, I think he's been with the franchise three seasons and he hasn't played, like you said, two of them. So um, talented player when he's healthy, he could definitely help them if he's still, you know, a, a fairly productive NBA player. Um, I believe he turns 29 soon, so he's not, like, old. He has some years left. And, again, if you can get him at a discount and he's a pretty good player, that actually might help them with what they're trying to build for the future. Yeah, I mean, he's an 18-point-a-game scorer as a small forward. He can play power forward, too, although he's not a huge rebounder, which is a a problem um, area for the team. Um, So, and then they, by trading Karis LeVert, um, they've got a $20 million spot in the salary cap to go out and sign someone, which I would think is another forward based on the current makeup of the team. Who knows what happens after the season in terms of trades right. and things 
that. But right now, today, um, and so you, you know, is that person? I, I think you got to go forward, assuming Warren is, you know, a reserve because I don't think you can count on him. But again, we don't know. I mean, the Pacers have all his medical information, but have not shared a ton of it, which is it's his business so that's certainly fine you do wonder i mean the the the, the two stress fractures that Woj reported may, I, I assume that they thought he was coming back and he had the second one at some point in there that caused right. went to go much longer we have no idea when that would have happened or how that would have happened another thing is you, you know this is a guy who's whatever six nine 235, something like that. That's a lot of weight to put on your foot if you're having a fracture in it. So it's a really tricky injury to come back from. And it's one you've got to make sure you're all the way back from before you get back out there. And I mean, maybe he did, I, maybe they assumed he was and he still got hurt again. Again, we don't have enough information. We don't know. But uh, um, it certainly has been an interesting case. But hey, they got TJ Warren and two second round picks to take his salary away from the Phoenix Suns. So uh, even if they only get the one year out of him, it was still a uh, worthwhile deal, I, except, I guess, you know, the, the, it's been hanging over the franchise the last, really this year, not really last year. I think people knew he was seriously hurt and unlikely to come back. Um, so, uh, you know, you can't complain about the deal still, but it would certainly be nice to have an 18-point-a-game scorer on the roster. For sure, for sure. And then as we, you know, transition, we could talk about, you know, it's a, you know having somebody on the roster <laughs> and, and trying to improve chances of winning and things like that because yesterday for that game it was uh, it was weird. You know, I think anybody who came to that game probably the average NBA fan probably didn't know seventy five percent of the players. <laughs> more, um, it was very uh, and honestly, honest to God, it was it was. It was an awful game until Lance Stevenson and O'Shea Brissett made that incredible play. You know, Lance got the steal. Tyrese Halliburton gets the loose ball, throws it to Lance. Lance goes behind the back in one motion, and O'Shea Brissett just goes up and throws down a reverse double pump and one dunk, which is like, you know, Showtime Lakers, one of the top plays of the NBA season, probably the top play for the Pacers. Um, and it, it basically just... Halliburton's you know, baseball some, pass was underrated. Hit oh, up. yeah. It was like a, it was like a Lance touchdown and pass, man. And then yeah. Lance the over-the-shoulder catch, you know, and stride to throw it behind the back. Like, Lance gets caught up sometimes. Even uh, Tyrese with some of these passes they try. But it was one of those things where, you know, you couldn't replicate it if you wanted to. Just kind of the right place, right time, right decisions by everyone involved. And obviously O'Shea Brissett, who told me he's the best dunker on the team. Finished with a great dunk, and it kind of was a highlight of the day for the Pacers, who just steamrolled the the the, the Blazers, who were without, I believe, eight or nine guys due to injury. Um, even the Pacers sat Malcolm Brogdon for quote unquote resting, um, which is very interesting. I mean, you get every every game, you go into it, and and there's an injury report that I always check, and you know, for the Pacers, as you all know. They've had somebody on injury report all season. So there's always somebody to ask about, you know, is this guy in, is this guy out? I know Chris Duarte is dealing with a toe thing. Personally, I don't think his toe is going to be better until the season is over and he can just, like, not play um, and get his toe back together. But he was out. And then uh, at the end of the press conference, the pregame press conference, Rick Carlisle goes, hey, yeah, Malcolm's out as well just for rest. And I'm like, is it rest for the right Achilles? Is it rest for it? He's like, oh, it's just rest. You know, it's a good time to rest. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much more you can say with basically saying, you know, they're not putting their best product out there. Um, that makes no sense. 
um, for the guy to rest. I don't, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a back to back, you know. So it was really weird, but they still won anyways because Portland is is that bad. Like it, they're they're a really bad basketball team. And I, personally, obviously they have guys that play hard. They're trying their best, but they don't have, in my opinion, a lot of NBA guys on their roster playing right now. Like the team is very hurt, very injured. So they have a bunch of guys who are probably fringe NBA guys playing a lot of minutes, and it looked like it. I mean, you had guys hitting inside the backboard, shooting the ball, you know, turning it over, throwing out of bounds. It was it was very weird. But again, that that play basically, you know, shot the game up the charts as far as most memorable games of the season. Just because, I mean, that play was incredible. Net, I'm sure you saw it on Twitter and Instagram or whatever else, but it was a uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was a it was a it was just an awful game. I watched the game. I think I told you I knew I recognized four of the players on uh, Portland's uh, playing rotation. Um, yeah. Like to think I know the NBA pretty well, but I only recognized four of those of their players. Um, and yeah, resting Brogdon. If if it was an effort to um, help the lottery odds, it didn't work because Portland is trying even harder not to win games than the Pacers are. Uh, so that didn't work out in their favor. So I'm here's on- an update on that, though. Here's an update. So the so the Pacers are now sixth instead of fifth. Oh wow! You know because uh, Sacramento actually uh, jumped them last night. Um, so Sacramento's in, in the fifth spot with 48 losses. And Indiana's in the sixth spot with 47 losses, and then Portland's number seven with 44 losses. They've t- they're tied with uh, the Spurs with 44 losses as well. So um, I know Pacers fans will not be happy when I tweet that out probably later today, um, just to rile up the fan base, you know, because they're so gung ho on Jaden Ivey, who was amazing last night against Texas in the second half, but um, he's not going to be the sixth pick. So um, <laughs> we'll we'll see what else uh, kind of works out <laughs> as far as you know, winning and losing games. But honestly, coming up, I don't think they're going to beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, they just 30-piece. Memphis just 30-piece them without John Moran. He'll probably play um, this upcoming week. Uh, they actually play Sacramento this uh, upcoming Wednesday, which will be, uh, you know, Sabonis' return. Same with uh, Justin Holly, Jeremy Lamb. Um, that'll be an interesting game because I'm sure Sabonis will probably want to win that game and then the Kings or or the, at least the visiting former Pacers. But at the same time, as we just said, it kind of helps if you lose. So we'll see how that goes. That's a very interesting game because they're literally right next to each other in the standings. And then also, um, you know, up, upcoming this week, you got Memphis again on Thursday in Memphis. And I believe they have Toronto. They're not going to beat Toronto, I don't think. So I would say don't, you know, get too flustered Pacers fans if – the team, you know, won a game against a really bad Portland team, but at the same time, I, I definitely feel their uh, their 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 antsiness if they, you know, somehow, you know, win a couple of these games and you knock yourself out of being a top five pick. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. The bonus got hurt the other night, I, and didn't sound like he. I don't know what, how serious it was. I didn't see an update after the game, but he did. He tried to go back in and play and couldn't. So it'll be interesting to see if he can play. I'm on the record. If the league sets up the rules so that having a worse record helps you long term, then you try to have a worse record. It's not great, and I don't I don't have an answer to fix that problem because anything else I don't think is I don't think having bad teams not get good draft picks helps the league either. Um, so it is interesting. Sacramento is trying to win and they still can't do it. So that sums up the Kings for you. But it is. But. <laughs> From what you hear, it's there's four guys at the top of the draft, and then there's a little bit of a gap. 
and then there might be two guys after that, and then there's a little bit of a gap. It's supposed to be a strong, um, you know, a fairly deep draft. Again, I'm just going off what I what I've heard, what podcasts I listen to, and what I read. I'm certainly no draft expert, so it is kind of important. But the lottery's involved too. I mean, the Pacers um, can pick. You know, just because they have the fifth worst record doesn't mean they're picking fifth. They could pick seventh. They could pick first. So, uh, or yeah. sixth, whatever it ends up being. So, the lottery in May is going to be a huge uh, day for the Pacers for the first time and uh, since 1989, I believe. Yeah, that'll be a, a, a fun day. Uh, I'm sure I'll have plenty of content to kind of, you know. How old were you in 1989? I was not born in 1989. My parents actually got married in 1989. I would not have hired you if I had known that. That's that's oh. <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, '89 was when my parents got married. Um, they're going to be celebrating, uh, obviously, a bunch of years for for years to come. Um, I was not even a thought in their mind. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I mean, we'll see. I'm sure that night, obviously, you know, draft night is going to be a huge night for the franchise. But the lottery will be the most important night of the offseason, in my opinion, just because you find out what your options really are. If you if you get a top three pick, um, you're probably getting a player that can help change your franchise. If you're getting a top five pick, you're helping get a guy that can probably change your franchise. If you drop to seven or eight or something, it gets bleak. And then we'll have people telling me that the NBA is rigged and they don't like small market teams. Um, <laughs> even though the Cleveland ended up with like, you know, three number one picks in like a, what was it, like a 10-year span or something crazy like that. So, yeah. um New Orleans defied the odds and got the number one pick with Zion, and it might not be the best thing that ever happened to them, given his injury history. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, and then even when my, my, my hometown Chicago Bulls, they lucked up and got, you know, Derrick Rose number one. They were not supposed to get the number one pick that year at all. It was just, a, you know, luck of the ping pong balls. So we'll see what happens. It's not obviously set in stone, but I think that's what makes it, in my opinion, a little more interesting than the NFL, obviously, where you are guaranteed to be in a position depending on how many games you lose. Yeah, and Major League Baseball just is adding a lottery now, too, because it's had its own issues with tanking and things like that. It'll be interesting to see if the NFL goes that route. It hasn't really been an issue in the NFL uh, or a huge issue. There are certainly some times it's brought up around the number one overall pick. Um, Cleveland, Miami, some other things So, it, but it have been bubbling up more lately. So it'll be interesting to see if the uh, – I think the lottery is a better way to go than just a straight – um reverse order um but again if you're going to make it so that you have better odds the worse you are then i understand why a team would want to be worse there you uh, go and then also it, it just to you know and you know this everyone knows this it is very much harder to draft one player and change your franchise in the in football than it is in basketball like you know if if you draft a really good quarterback but you have no one to block for him um, you know, you're not going to win many games. It, you know, it was a miracle the Bengals made it as far as they did. I'm on a tangent here, I know. But I'm just saying, you know, if you if you draft like LeBron, if you draft Giannis, if you draft Steph Curry, obviously that changes your franchise very, very much, very, very quickly. It is not the same in the NFL. It's not the same in, in sports like that, uh, mainly because they're not even playing both sides of the ball. So something to keep in mind. Um, but also well, even in the NBA, it's taken multiple lottery picks recently to turn a team around. It's not like, I mean, yeah, look at Cleveland. Cleveland yeah. Cleveland, uh, Oklahoma city. It wasn't just like, I mean, they didn't start. I mean, Durant was very young I and mean, maybe they wouldn't, I'm sure they would have no matter what happened, but it wasn't just Durant that turned around Oklahoma city. It was Harden and uh, Westbrook who were also, you know, top four or five picks as well. Exactly. Uh, so, 
it, you know, it takes more. It often takes more than one pick. It's not Larry Bird walking in the door and turning you from a lottery team into a uh, NBA contender anymore, you know, championship contender anymore. Very true. You mean to tell me Magic Johnson isn't? You know, there there aren't instances where you just walk into the league and join the best player and the best team, and the best franchise anymore. So that's that, well, that, you, you know, there's times you see it a little bit. Every once in a while, you have a Celtics Nets trade that turns out really badly for one team. But but the NBA <laughs> has worked really hard to avoid that happening uh, and making sure the worst teams are a little bit better run than the uh, than the good old days. So there you go. There you go. All right, well, let's finish up the podcast with what the the viral news, which was uh, there was a video surfaced after the game last night um, of Nurkic from Portland who was not playing, confronting a fan who appeared to be taunting him after the game. Certainly, this was a hot topic on on Twitter, among other places. Um, Just, you know, you wrote a little short story on it because we don't know a whole lot about what happened, but sort of take us through uh, what you know about this uh, incident. What I do know is that I know a security guard who uh, who, who kind of broke them up, which is hilarious. I'm sure he'll. Uh, I'll talk to him about it. I, I I won't, you know, put the guy on the spot. Hey, give me the detail, blah blah. But it, I talk to him at every game and say what's up. So it's funny seeing him. Um, and someone else put it like calculate how much he's getting paid versus how much he wants to get involved <laughs> with that situation. But from what I saw in the video, um, you know, the fan is probably, you know, he's, he looks like he's yapping, saying something. Uh, you know, uh, Nurkic walks over. Obviously, he's not playing and uh, gets in the guy's face, takes his phone and throws it. Um, a lot of people on Twitter, for whatever reason, I tweeted out that I was like, man, I think I tweeted um, something like, you know, it, you know, he threw this man's phone. He did nothing about it. It's funny to see the energy change. And everyone's like, what did you expect him to do? Like, you know, punch the guy or, or swing on him? And I'm like, I'm like, no. But I, you know, like he, he threw his phone. That's ridiculous. I'm like, you mean to tell me? In an arena with thousands of fans, he found the one random fan to pick on and take his phone and throw it for no reason at all. Like, that makes no sense. And I tell people all the time, like, being around the NBA more now and being at these games, you hear people say really crazy things to people. And I guess allegedly everyone's like, you know, according to what the security guard said on Instagram or something like that, he's like, he just, you know, called, you know, Nurkic trash a couple times and Nurkic got mad. And I believe he has to have thicker skin. Obviously, Nat, we've had this conversation before about fan and player interactions. The player will always be held to the higher standard as they should be because you can't just go and retaliate to every fan. You have to have thicker skin. But as I was saying on Twitter, this is not a perfect world. This is not a world where things are that, that that's a, are supposed to happen always happen. So if you go to a game and just tell a player who isn't even playing, by the way, that he's trash over and over and over again, what are you seeking? Like, what are you trying to do? Like, you're not even there to cheer your team on. You're just there literally to provoke a player and you got the reaction you wanted. And then people were saying, you know, hey, well, he didn't back down. He Like, you're at a game with a bunch of security, um, with a bunch of cameras. Of course, he's not going to do, do anything to you there. I don't condone any type of violent violence. Like, it's, it's pointless to even fight, you know, 99% of the time in real life. But, again, like I always say, you would not say these things or do these things to provoke people if they were just normal people on the street who did not have any consequences, like, you know, or any standards to be held to. That's my only thing with fans. Like, I get it. You can boo. You can do whatever. But at some point, why are you there not just cheering for your team? That's the weird part to me. I'm like, is your team that bad that you have to just go and just berate like other players? Like that, that makes no sense to me. So um, 
I had a bunch of opinions on it. I'm always getting, I was going to share my opinion. I don't really care what anybody thinks on, on the subject. Um, and whether they're with me, against me, I think it's just good dialogue to have. It's not like, you know, we're, we're debating, you know, world peace. But um, it was interesting to see the video. Um, one thing I will point out, because everyone kept saying this, and I think this is one of the dumbest things, one of the dumbest arguments that I hear all the time. It's, he's a little kid. He was 15. Like, no, he was not 15. He had a beer in his hand. Unless, <laughs> like, the Pacers security just slipped up and handed a 15-year-old a beer. Um, he is not 15. He, he did not but look even 15. if he was, Nat, you know how to act when you're 15. Like, you, people keep saying, like, like, you're six. Like, you're five. I'm like, you know right and wrong. You know what you're doing is to aggravate someone else. So at some point, um, again, we're not in a perfect world. You're probably going to get the reaction you wanted. And in that case, it was getting your phone thrown like a Frisbee. So there you go. Yeah, I, I mean, let's be, let's be up front that we have no idea what the what this person, this man, said to Nurkic. Um, right. I mean, and you can imagine the entire spectrum of did he just, you know, say one thing and that caused the reaction, in which case you'd have to say Nurkic was out of line. Was he saying God knows what, which wouldn't, you know, which would make you say, yeah, yeah, I get why he went after him. So we have no idea. Right. Nurkic, I would assume, is going to get fined by somehow and should be by the NBA. What mm -hmm. he did was not, you know, should not happen. But at the same time, he was, you watch the video, he was in total control of himself. It wasn't like he was freaking out or anything. Mm. It wasn't, didn't appear to be, like, I'm sure he might, he might have been angry, but he was not out of control angry or anything like that. Um, and I think he probably gets yelled at and he wants to see what happens to the fans, the, the tough guys with the phones who are yelling at him when he walks up and he's, I don't know, 6'9", 270 or whatever. And what do they think then? Um, so I get where he's coming from too. I don't. Um, you know, again, we've had this conversation. These guys make lots and lots of money. They don't need your sympathy. They don't, you know, whatever, you know, they get paid a lot. They can put up with a lot. But that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be a certain level of human decency towards anyone. So yeah. um, I think if he gets fined, he deserves it. I, you know, I don't do. Do I think he should have done what he did? No. But do I understand probably where he's coming from? I think I do. I, why would any? Why would you? Would you want to be, you know, be called? Have people yelling that you're trash while you're out there? Uh, you know, he's doing his job. He's hurt, so he's not playing, but uh, he's still on the team and traveling with them. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting uh, video. Obviously, it's the second time something like that's happened this year. Two times. I don't want to read too much into it. It does seem like, um, in general, certainly not with the Pacers, but in general, this is becoming more uh, something you see more. Maybe we just see it more because there's more phones out there um and this stuff happened regularly um but it was uh certainly something people were discussing uh especially on your twitter feed uh, last night oh yes you know me i just pour napalm on everything and, <laughs> and, and get it all spicy and hot but in all seriousness i, I do think they're, they're again i travel a lot i go to a lot of different cities i hear a lot of people say a lot of crazy things to players and this is my only thing uh, i tweeted this out last night Yes, they get paid a lot of money, but it doesn't turn them into robots. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you constantly hear just people saying stuff to you all the time, whether it's something mild or something vulgar or whatever, it's going to get to you at some point if it happens over and over and over again. And again, I'm not even saying this fan. I'm just saying in general with fans. Um, I wouldn't say fans. Just like this 5% of any fan base that literally goes to games just to, like, annoy or, or aggravate or or get under someone's skin they don't even go to the cheer 
Um, Kevin Durant said this himself um, a couple weeks ago about it. He was like, people don't go. They literally go to the game because they're miserable with their lives. And they want to tell these players that, that they should be miserable about their lives. So it, it's it's really weird. Um, I don't think that it's an indictment on Pacers fans or any fans or any fan base because, again, I travel a lot. People are like this in every single city, every single setting, every single sport. And it's not all of them. It's a small few but again, I do think it's interesting because you, I, 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 I can't imagine just saying whatever you wanted to to a guy that looks in that, like Russell Westbrook, for example. I saw a fan, fan uh, you know, kind of telling him, he calling him Westbrook and all this other stuff. And, you know, then when Westbrook walks away, he gets all riled up again and gets all tough. But it's like, would you say something like, you know, to, to belittle a grown man who is built just like Westbrook on the street who isn't Westbrook? <laughs> Like, no, you probably wouldn't because that guy is, is very intimidating. He's very big. So you probably wouldn't do that. So, again, not condoning violence. I'm just saying it, it's very easy to to spew a lot of things when you know that they're in a position to lose more than you. Like my dad always tells me all the time, the person who has more to lose is always held to the higher standard, which is true. I mean, that's the NBA. But at the same time, I mean, just just I would say fans, just be fans. Like, go to the game. And I get those short for fanatic. Well, be a normal fan take off the attic part and just cheer for your team, you know, hope for a better, you know, draft picked or whatever, you know, even the, the Lance Stevenson play, like, for example, we're talking about this, this stupid incident after the game on both sides. I, I would imagine like it, no one's probably a hundred percent right or wrong or whatever, but I will say that, you know, on, on a night where they had literally like the player of the year um, and one of the players of the year in the NBA, we're talking about a guy getting his phone tossed, um, you know, into the stands and, you know, if he's team iPhone, he'll be all right. You know, if I've dropped mine a few times, uh, <laughs> if you've you got a case on it, you'll, you'll be you'll survive. If you don't, you know, we'll, we'll have to see uh, about repairs. But I'm sure, um, you know, I'm kind of waiting on honestly. Um, I'm sure Nurkic will get some type of reprimand from the league, um, mainly because it's so visible. I mean, you got guys now. I mean, Kevin Durant was fined for, you know, just cursing at a fan, not even saying or, or doing anything physically to him. But the fact that you took a fan's property and threw it obviously is wrong. And he'll have to hear for that, I'm sure. Um, might even get suspended, even though he's not playing. Um, but again, like, what does it take to provoke a player who isn't even playing to come up to you face to face? That's my question. So um, we'll probably never get that answer. Um, I don't really care if I ever get that answer, to be honest. I mean, that's not why we got into this net. I don't think you want to be reading my uh, 10 p.m., you know, two paragraph stories on <laughs> fan interactions with players. But, you know, if it happens again, obviously we'll have to do our due diligence as reporters, but um, hopefully it's something that we don't have to write about too often or revisit too often just because it's something that is so, you know, minuscule when it comes to the NBA and all the things we could be writing and talking about. But if the fan does want to reach out to us and give their side of the story, his side of the story, we'll be perfectly happy to uh, hit my DMs. You know, I, like I said, I am very open. You can tweet at me. You could tell me I'm wrong. I'm a liar. I got it all wrong. Tell me, but at the same time, I'm going to ask like Yurkic, like, you know, Nurkic, I'm going to be like, hey, what's going on? Is this guy telling the truth? So I would like to see both sides. Will I ever get both sides now? Probably not. But again, if you want to, <laughs> hey, if you want to say what you got to say, the DMs are open, uh, email, Twitter, you know, you can send me a, a what is it, a, a, a letter by, 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 by bird, by pigeon, whatever you want to do. Um, I'm with Carrier. it. 
There you go. Carrier pigeon. See, I'm too young to even know what the heck that really means. Um, but I was trying. I was trying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you're going to continue to make fun of how old I am, we're going to cut it short here. Uh, <laughs> so we appreciate you listening to the Pacing the Pacers podcast. Go to IndyStar.com for everything James writes. And uh, we thank you for the support.